0: And so as we continue through this series, I I shared the very first week that two of the main things that I really want you to get out of this series is number one, Jesus is incredible, amen? amen, amen, and discipleship is important. And each week my prayer is that we look into the life of Jesus and we see how can we get better at being the disciples that he's called us to be and are we really truly taking up our cross and following where he is leading without reservation? Without ideas in our mind of things that maybe we'll do it when this happens? or No, without reservation. And, and so as we spend time in Mark chapter 2 verses 13 through 17 this morning, the, the title of the message is Open Your Home for Ministry. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, we desire to be used by you in every aspect of our lives. And even when it comes to our own home, that seems to be kind of sacred space at times. And yet, everything that we have is yours. Everything we have comes from you. And so, Father, I pray that as we look at the passage this morning in Mark 2, 13 through 17, that we would gather from this passage the need, the privilege it is to do ministry in our homes. And beyond that, maybe even what else Jesus might be teaching us through these verses. So God, you may you be glorified. Father, you are holy, you are righteous, you desire for a relationship with us. And Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege it is to come in the freedom that we currently have in this country to honor and worship you. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. One of the things that I learned growing up was that God wants us to use whatever He has blessed us with to bring honor and glory to Him. And as I grew up, uh, my my dad he was a high school math teacher, and my mom she was a, a cafeteria worker, and so we weren't poor. But we weren't wealthy either, all right? And we didn't drive fancy cars. We we drove 1973 Datsun or 72 Datsun 1200 little cars that we had like four or five of them. Three of them ran at like once and then the other two or three were used for parts. And, and so we didn't have the fanciest of cars. But I do remember around age six, my parents invested in building, designing and building their own home for the most part. And and that's kind of where they, from a financial standpoint, kind of invested in this world. And I remember growing up from age six on how my parents glorified God through the use of the home that God had blessed them with. And they would open their home many, many times for ministry And to the glory of God, there would be times after Sunday morning services where they would invite people into their home. I remember housing missionaries for weeks on end in our home. People that would come in. At, on furlough and they didn't have a place to stay and so my parents said that they could stay at their at our house and or there'd be a youth rally I remember specifically that we we did a youth rally with Canadians eh all right and so we're 40 miles from the Canadian border and we had this thing called Prairie Young People's Association it was an event where we we hosted sometimes they hosted and and I remember my parents they went because my dad worked to the high school he would it was before the huge mega mat wrestling mats. They had just the little wrestling mats. My dad got a ton of them in our basement. It's all cement, and they put them all over the floor in our basement. We had like 30, 40 people, kids in our basement at a youth rally. I remember hosting Bible college kids that were coming in through that just needed a place to stay overnight. All the time, it was interesting to have those interactions as a kid And see my parents being willing to use what God had blessed them with. Even at times my parents would invite non-Christian, sometimes relatives, sometimes non-Christian friends into their home for different occasions. And so growing up, again, I learned that my home can be a great source to do ministry. A great setting for ministry to, to take place if I am willing to open my home For ministry. And so, if you're able and willing this morning, will you turn over to Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 13? Will you stand with me as we read together Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17? Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You may be seated. And so here's Jesus. He's been preaching in, in the area, in the region of Galilee, and he's called these first four disciples, fishermen, kind of common everyday guys. And as they as he's been making his way around the Sea of Galilee, here he is in today's passage, and he's he's near the port of Capernaum when he calls Matthew Levi, a tax collector. And this tax collector, he's he's charged with the responsibility of of taking in, collecting taxes for those imports and exports. And from the way the passage reads, I, I doubt Jesus and Levi were strangers. It's kind of like you know, the, those that he had previously called. That, that The fact that Jesus was in these areas where there's a lot of people and so most likely Matthew Levi had had seen Jesus, he had some interactions with Jesus because as we read this, it seems like so odd or so out of the norm that Jesus would call him and then all of a sudden he would just immediately follow. But my guess is there had been some times where Matthew Levi had heard what Jesus had to say and he knew that Jesus was who he said he was. That he was this great teacher that he wanted to follow. And so we have this situation where, where Levi, you know, he's putting his books and his lucrative position aside to follow Jesus again, just as the four fishermen did the same. And so here is a great lesson for us as disciples of Jesus on, on how we can reach into the lives of those who maybe just, they don't know Jesus, or, or maybe they know a little bit about Jesus, but they need to know him better. And in this passage this morning, we see two people kind of working as a team here. You have Jesus, the master evangelist, calling Levi, Matthew, Levi. And, and Matthew is someone that's concerned about his friends. And he's concerned about the, f- the fact that his friends need to know this Jesus that he now is choosing to serve and follow. And I want to suggest some lessons that we need to-, to learn and apply in our lives as we grow as disciples of Jesus. And the first, if you're taking notes this morning, is I want us to notice the kind of individual Jesus called into his service. And we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but the kind of individual that Jesus called into his service. You see, Jesus, he invited questionable people to follow him. And a lot of times he knew that these kind of people were the people that were going to kind of get all the religious leaders at the time pretty uncomfortable, right? And Matthew Levi, he, you know, he's a tax collector, an employee, an employee. On commission of the hated Roman government, and he was called a publican because supposedly he worked for the people, right? But most of the people he, they, they hated him, they hated him or his kind and, and they were the, they were in the same category as, as a prostitute or a thief or other undesirables and and they're no more accepted than the leper that Jesus healed. In the previous chapter. And many tax collectors were crooks. According to Luke chapter 3 verses 12 and 13. It tells us that some tax collectors were guilty of collecting more taxes than were due. And more than likely they they kept that extra money for themselves. And of course if you've been watching any of the, the Chosen you see a little bit of that portrayed. and Where you have a Roman Uh, a a Roman soldier that would be kind of the escort of these tax collectors because the the Romans wanted to make sure they got their taxes collected. And so as long as the tax collector was paying what was due to the Roman government, then they didn't care what extra they might be collecting from the Jews. And so the religious leaders at the time, they've kind of written these tax collectors off. There's no hope for these tax collectors. And according to BibleHistory.com, They were excluded from all religious services. They were not accepted in proper society. They were not even considered truthful enough to appear as a witness in court. And in order to be effective soul winners, we must see potential in every individual. You see, Jesus knew Levi's heart and was able to see potential in him. There were probably a, a few honest tax collectors at, in that day. My guess is Matthew most likely was one of them because I, you don't really find in any of the Gospels where Matthew is needing to make amends for his greedy dealings or even offer, as in the case of Zacchaeus, to, to make restitution. And, and we, we do know this, though, that as a tax collector... Matthew's main priority in life was what? Money. Yeah, his focus in life was all about money. And yet, get this. He gave it all up to follow Jesus. And if you think about that for a moment, if you think about that even in your own lives, the only way that you're going to leave what you treasure is if you find something you treasure more. The only way you're going to leave something that you treasure is finding something that you treasure even more. And so I wonder this morning, what do you treasure in your life? What has top priority in your life? And, And again, when it comes to Matthew... Wherever he's coming from, where, whatever stage in his spiritual walk, he, he gives it all up in order to follow where Jesus is leading. And he becomes this powerful influence, spreading the gospel throughout the world. And others would automatically see Matthew as worthless, but Jesus once again knew the man's heart. And as he does with all of us, Jesus knows our heart. And because God knows the hearts of the people, the ones that you come in contact with, we cannot just write them off. But we need to see the potential in everyone that we come in contact with. Thinking about the amazing potential that they could have for the kingdom of God. And and I don't know about you growing up, but me growing up, I, I can't... If someone said that you'd be a preacher someday, Charles, I, I wouldn't be able to imagine it. Not that I was the worst kid growing up, but there were a lot of things growing up that, that always kind of were a, a hitch in my relationship with Jesus, that always kind of just, you know, you take through two or three steps forward in your relationship with Jesus, and then something would knock you down and take two steps backwards. And so growing up, there I, I would never imagine that I'd be preaching one day, but there were those in our church, those that would invest in my life, those that that didn't write me off, those that saw the potential in me. And God, he knew. God knew what was going to take place in my life. And and he never gave up on me. and, And neither did those that I went to church with those that were a part of the body of believers that I met with each and every week see they saw the potential in a young kid that liked to be rowdy at times and and get kicked out of Sunday school class and even this past week and actually it's probably been a couple weeks by now but I just I was I was thinking about this idea. I was putting this message together, and, and Tuesday night we had our softball game. And again, it wasn't last Tuesday because that got canceled, and the Tuesday before that, I was that canceled. So it's probably three weeks ago. But I remember going through the line, and and the team that we were playing, one of the teams that night. You know, I could tell that they're kind of rough around the edges, and and I'm not saying I'm judging their hearts, but you could kind of tell that you know maybe they didn't have you know a real Strong relationship with God, maybe at all. And yet, as I was going through the line at the end of the game that I think we lost. so that, That's a possibility. Um, but as I'm going through the line and, you know, we're giving high fives. And I'm looking in the eyes of every single one of these guys. And I don't know if it was the message I was putting together or God's Holy Spirit working on my heart. But I just thought, man, can you imagine if every single one of these guys that I'm giving a high five to was completely sold out for Jesus, and what that would look like in the city of Casper, even just one team of 12 guys that were completely committed to Jesus, that loved their families and their spouses unconditionally, that they were faithful to the kingdom work and, and to what God's plan was for their life, and I just thought about, man, what great potential there is in the people that we come in contact with. There's so much potential in all of those individuals for the kingdom of God. And sometimes we just write them off or we just don't think about it. We just kind of go through life. And Levi, man, he caught the same potential that Jesus saw in him. And Levi immediately opens his home to a bunch of unlikely prospects. And that's another thing that I would like for us to look at. Not not only does Jesus look at those that just have so much potential, but Matthew gathered a group of his friends and co-workers for a feast to honor Jesus in his home. See, when a sinner is changed by Jesus, he should want to gather other sinners In order that they themselves could also have an opportunity to be changed. You see, he knew that these were the people that needed Jesus. You see, I I guarantee you this guest list was probably exactly kind of the guest list that we'd all expect for Matthew the, the kind of friends that he was forced to hang out with. Because after all, you know, he he, he wasn't going to be inviting those taxpayers. You know, he was the collector. So his friends weren't the taxpayers and, and all those affluent individuals. But they were those that were other taxpayers, tax collectors. There Many of them were probably thieves. And Matthew knew it. And Jesus had not written Matthew off, and Matthew wasn't willing to write off his co-workers either. Yeah, there were other sinners there at the house. And no doubt they were robbers or prostitutes or drunkards or etc. And no doubt he opened his door to anyone that might want to come into his home. Even street people. And so here's this large crowd that has gathered. And in fact Luke calls it a great banquet in chapter 5 verse 29. This great banquet that Matthew obviously financially can handle. And, And now I don't have proof of any of this. But as I'm reading this story, my guess is that Levi's house, for everybody that he's invited, they're probably not all fitting in the house. It's kind of spilling out into the open air sections in the areas around his house as they gather. And there's so much of this banquet most likely taking place outside. And I'm imagining this great crowd of of noisy riffraff. That have gathered around Jesus and my guess is is that outside, that this all is taking place outside is because it says that the Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors. And if you think about the Pharisees, you know, the, the righteous men, they would never go into a tax collector's house. Or associate with sinners and and Pharisees were were notorious for not associating with those who were unworthy. But Jesus, it was no problem for Jesus to eat with them and not participate in their sins or share their philosophies. And, And once again, just like last week, Jesus didn't worry himself with the condemnation of his critics do you notice that jesus could care less about what everybody around him thought as long as he was doing what his heavenly father wanted him to do and i guarantee you by associating with sinners jesus most likely tarnished his reputation but never compromised his character And I can imagine that some of the disciples were kind of on the fringes, you know. They're they're the disciples that are kind of following Jesus, wanting to know what's going on with Jesus, trying to learn, knowing that they probably need to change some things in their life. But they're kind of on the fringes because what is he doing? Why is he eating in the home of a sinner, a tax collector? And so as they're kind of on the fringes, kind of looking in a little bit, maybe kind of, you know, they have a, a a punch, you know, they they have a drink of punch with, but they're kind of kind of distancing themselves a little bit from everything that Jesus is doing because they don't really know if, is this okay? Can he be doing this? And so as they're on the fringes, here comes the Pharisees to the disciples, and the Pharisees come up and they ask, well, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And can you just imagine them being like, I don't know, I, I'm, just, I'm just here for the free food, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of, some of them, they're not really committed to what Jesus is doing, and yet Jesus' response is that they're sick. And I'm the great physician. You see that in that verse 17. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, Jesus knew that they needed him. And there's a quote that has really stuck with me. It's the, the, the quote that the church should be more of a hospital than a hotel. Right? Right? The church should be more of a hospital than a hotel. And if we spend all of our time as a church trying to be on vacation from the world, I I love vacation, you know. Uh, There's often times where I'm on vacation thinking about the next vacation I can come up with, right? You know, I love vacation as much as the next. But if we as the church spend all of our time trying to be on vacation from the world, then we are missing exactly what God is calling us to be, which is to be a hospital for those sick and hurting, and lost, and depressed, and suffering. And one preacher said, if you distance yourself from sinners, you distance yourself from Jesus. Ouch. If you distance yourself from sinners, you don't want anything to do with them, then the reality is most likely you're distancing yourself from Jesus. And maybe another way to say it is if you want to be close to Jesus, then you're probably going to have to be close to sinners. Because that is who Jesus is concerned about. That's who he has come to this earth to seek and to save. See, we need to ask ourselves what Jesus' main concern was. Again, if you're taking notes, write that down. What was Jesus' main concern? What, What was he here about? You see, he seems unconcerned about what his critics thought of him. They were some of the most powerful people in Jewish society. They controlled, essentially, the holiness of the people, and they had power not only in the Jewish culture, but in the Roman culture as well, and yet It's not who Jesus concerned himself with. They didn't really know the Heavenly Father. These Pharisees, these spiritual leaders, they they simply studied his law with the goal of proving themselves holier than others. They knew nothing of love or grace. And rather than try and become buddy-buddy with the religious leaders, Jesus attempted to teach These teachers, and his main concern was to meet the needs of those who know that they have a need. You get that? Jesus was more concerned about those that knew that they had a need. Because these religious leaders, they thought they had it all figured out. And in their minds, they they didn't need a thing. And I wonder how many of us have the same mentality that, I'm a pretty good person. I, I go to church on Sunday mornings. I'm tithing. I'm, I'm raising my kids the best I can. I don't go out and carouse, I, you know. And so we kind of think we have it all together. That We don't really need Jesus a, a lot. We need him a little. But you know we don't need him a lot. We kind of have it all figured out. And Jesus saw Matthew as a man in need of meaning and mission in his life. Hated by both Jew and Roman, he was limited to hanging out with other tax collectors and sinners. Matthew may have been materially wealthy enough to feed a large crowd, a banquet, but he was spiritually destitute. And obviously Matthew was aware of his his need because Jesus didn't have to say, follow me, twice. There was no hesitation On Matthew's part, he knew he needed what Jesus had to offer. And Jesus saw the crowd and at Matthew's banquet as needing reconciliation, meaning, and purpose in their lives as well. And and Matthew had introduced Jesus to people just like himself. What about us? I mean, last week we talked about, are we the friend that is going to do anything in our power to bring our friends to Jesus? And, And once again, here's another example. Matthew knew that his friends needed Jesus, and so he invites them into his home and introduces them. To Jesus. There are still multitudes of needy people in our world, people in need of reconciliation, meaning, and purpose, just like Matthew and his friends. And we must intentionally reach out to them as Matthew and Jesus did. And you meet people every day who need to know Jesus, and yet they don't. And I would encourage us to speak. Speak to them about him. Invite them to know him. In order to be effective soul winners, we must put the needs of the lost ahead of everything else. In order to be effective soul winners, we must put the needs of the lost ahead of everything else because Jesus did, didn't he? He was more concerned about those who didn't know him. Those who who were not a part of the 99, but the one that was left out. Matthew was concerned about those who were lost. And we must have a genuine compassion for those who are without Christ and intentionally reach out to them. and, And we're all in different scenarios, different situations. But the concept that's taking place in this passage applies to us all. That we have to see people the way Jesus saw them, with great potential. And are we doing whatever we can to, to introduce them to Jesus? And for Matthew, he was inviting all of his friends, his co-workers, those that nobody else wanted to associate with, he invited them into his home in order that Jesus might be introduced to them. You see, we must be willing to accept them as part of our fellowship and welcome them into the family of God. And, and there's a strong challenge from these verses. Will you open your home to ministry? What does that look like for you personally? Because when you do, there's opportunity to see the potential in someone else be unleashed. And they might come to know Jesus because of your investment into their lives. Are you willing to be used by God in this way? Will you share Jesus with people by inviting them into your homes, your friends, your relatives, your coworkers, neighbors, or maybe someone new here even at PV? You see, Jesus was more concerned about where people were going to spend eternity than about what other people thought of him. Did you, did you get that? Jesus was more concerned about where people are going to spend eternity than what other people thought of him. What, what other people might think of your home. What other people might think of what you might provide for them as a meal. What, he was more concerned about where people are going to spend eternity over what other human beings thought of him. And what about us? If you're outside of Christ this morning, God He can see your heart. And he knows, man, he knows that you are capable of doing great things for him. And he loves you and knows your needs right where you are. And he's he's put your salvation above everything else. Even the life of his own son, Jesus. Being willing to send him to die on your behalf to take your punishment, to go to the cross for you in order that you could live a free life in him as we live out our faith each and every day. And so as the praise team comes this morning, if you've never accepted God's grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, if you've never been clothed with Christ as Galatians speaks about, we'd invite you to come this morning. If you have a decision to make, will you come as we sing, will you stand with us this morning? Are you in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? So Father, I praise your name for this body of believers that comes together here at PV. And I pray that you would strengthen each and every one of us to live out the faith that we claim to have, God. That in every aspect of our lives that we would be excited about what you want to do in and through us as your children. And so just as Matthew was called and was willing to follow, I pray that we would follow Matthew's example of being willing to reach out to our neighbors and to our coworkers, People that maybe we've written off at times, but knowing that God, you have the ability, the power to change hearts and minds, lives that can be completely turned upside down for you because of what you can do in each and every one of our lives. And so, God, I pray that we would pray through how you want to use each and every one of us to be the disciples that you've called us to be as we reach out to the world that we live in. And I pray this in the name of the power of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. If you have not read through your bulletins, please make sure to do that. Uh, Some things on the back page. I do want to mention uh, that uh, tonight's PV, uh, Sunday night, is at PV Park. And kind of the format is that we're going to, there'll be some people for sure showing up around 4. We'll maybe play some kickball or something like that. 5, encourage you to bring your own supper at 5 o'clock. We'll eat together, but bring your own supper. And 6 o'clock will be service. Gabe Webb will be uh, sharing a message tonight with us. Uh, one thing that we didn't get in the bulletin, but ne- in it, we were kind of working around um up on the mountain. We're supposed to be up on the mountain, but we're going to be at uh, Sarah and Gabe Webb's home next Sunday evening, July 25th, and we'll put that out on Notify. We'll have it in the bulletin next week, uh, their address and that sort of thing. I do want to mention we're continuing to pray for Outpost Christian Church and the church plant taking place out there, and so again we've mentioned that uh, Warren and Kaylin Steele and their family are going to be working hard and seeing how God works through them, and uh, I also wanted to mention as uh, different individuals have been praying about that we want to make sure that we communicate one of our elders Justin uh, Lewis and his family his wife Jamie and their two boys are looking to they've been praying about and seeing where God would use them when it comes to this church plant out there and so to not have divided interests and try to to be an elder here and then also be highly involved there in that church plant Justin is choosing to step down as one of our elders here at PV and, and the praise is, that he again will be a part of the extension as we reach out into the Douglas area, and he'll be working right alongside out there trying to be highly involved in the ministry and the church plant for Outpost Christian Church there in Douglas. So I did want to mention that uh, that'll be effective at the end of August, right before they kind of get rolling in September, and so please make sure to continue to lift Outpost Christian Church up in your prayers, and there's a few others that I just want to mention. Uh, be in prayer for Frank and Debbie Barton. Uh, they're going to be moving here to Dickinson, North Dakota in the next uh, several months. Frank will be moving a little quicker than Debbie, but they're going to be, uh, you know, just kind of going through the whole process of moving. So we, we love Frank and Debbie, and we just want the best for them. So continue to lift up Frank and Debbie Barton in your prayers as they begin the process of moving to North Dakota. Uh, We're praising God that Don Flesher's biopsy came back as not cancerous. However, the biopsy created some Things that he's still recovering from. So he's still there at the hospital, hoping to maybe get home today, still working with some lung issues. Uh, Be in prayer for Gail Kerwin. We've been praying for her uh, when it comes to a a kidney and a liver transplant, but her husband, we also have been praying for him. Uh, He went into the ICU and he did pass away just yesterday um, on Saturday. So be in prayer for Gail. Her husband, Jeff, passed away just yesterday. And then we're also lifting up Rio Carno. She's dealing with some surgical complications. And if I didn't mention it last week, Carl Pierce's sister, Eva, has recently passed away uh, in July. And so be in prayer for those who have lost loved ones and uh, just continue to lift each other up, knowing that God hears your prayers and that he cares about what's going on in each of your lives. Will you stand with me as we close our time in prayer? And then in song. So God, we are grateful again for the hope that we have in you. Knowing that this life is is not all that we have to look forward to. Father, that this world is not our home. And yet while we are here, we do have responsibility not to, to kind of just become... Uh, internally focused, not just to kind of roll up into a ball and just hoping that you come back quickly, but that we would be the disciples that go out and make other disciples. Father, that we would be a church of disciple makers. And so if that means that we invite people into our homes, sinners, quote unquote, that don't know you, Jesus, I pray that we would introduce you to them. So strengthen us that we would live bold lives for you. And in the name of Jesus I pray, amen.